everybody. So for our season finale, we're going to be doing a two-parter. It is going to be about the Halloween franchise. It is the 40th anniversary of Halloween. They're rebooting it, sort of. Uh, come here in a few weeks, and I'm a little um, not sure about it. The reviews are off the charts. I like the people behind it. The only problem is I hate it when a franchise erases all the previous entries. Um, I think it takes more creativity to fix the mistakes. Yeah, I know. I'm not sure. It can go either way for me. If you can uh, sort of forget your past and sort of and trailblaze the future, that's one thing. Trying to work within your limitations can always bring out some interesting products. So it, it goes either way. All right. So let's start off with the first film. Um, how old were you when you first experienced Halloween? Oh, that's got to be about eight or nine, probably. Okay. Did you watch it on TV or video? I think it was video. Here's yeah, what we... I, I had brothers, and we would always watch like old horror movies. Oh, okay. Their thing when I'd go see them, and they would try to scare me. Okay, so you have older siblings. Did were your parents? Are your parents horror fans? Because mine are not. Well, my mom is now, but she wasn't then. For the most part, no. I did go see the It remake or whatever you want to call it reimagining um with my dad uh last year and we both laughed our asses off the whole time really so he kind of likes the cheesy horror stuff oh, but, okay you know like he he actually knew about uh bad taste before i did so oh, okay yeah he's, my he's got, uh he's got some good cre- sorry yeah, he's got some credentials but usually not into it gotcha so i don't know if we've had this discussion before but um grew up at a fairly religious house that would you know waves of like a lot of religion no religion very little religion a lot of religion you know just constantly up and down and during certain periods uh definitely horror was almost a no-no um but it's also like my dad hates horror he hates sci-fi he hates anything that's out of reality my mom is kind of like pg-13 horror kind of person so the best I could do was watch scary stuff that was PG, PG-13, or off television. And even then, it was pretty limited. I didn't get to experience Halloween until I was about 15, 16 when they finally like lightened up about it. Um, but I believe I had seen Halloween 2 first on USA, which you know that's how I snuck by a viewing before I could rent it. And um, I think I've seen the franchise completely out of order because... By the time I got to see the ones on television, Halloween became a scarcity in every town that I would go to. For some reason, it was very, very hard to find because it was only on VHS, and people kept stealing copies. <laughs> so I believe it's, I had it's seen... worthy of stealing. I had seen two and three on television because that was always a package they would sell at television. And then I rented four and five, but I didn't see part one. I'm not even sure if I had seen part one before I had seen part six. So it's all completely out of whack. Mm-hmm. You don't really need a, a, a. The only ones you really need to watch in order is one and two, I would say. Well, I mean, four and five. One I feel four and five same. go together. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. There was one where Jamie Lee Curtis came back, so that is a boy, yeah. All right. So the original, um, it still amazes me the production value he got out of what is a three hundred fifty thousand dollar budget. I've seen movies at that same time, <laughs> the same amount of money that looked like hell. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's just John Carpenter's style. He's uh, extremely efficient. He knows exactly what he what he needs, what he wants. That and it's also the look of it. It's very wide, big budget. You know, uh, uh, seventy millimeter. You know, what two point three five kind of look, which a lot of movies back then mm-hmm. they felt like they were claustrophobic and compressed, and sometimes that's why they're scary. 
but I feel like he took something that could have been a grindhouse film and elevated the studio quality. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing that's always interesting to analyze because I've seen tons of videos of people uh, breaking down just why it's effective. And, you know, first time I saw it, or maybe the second or third time, really, when I've seen more horror films, I really started to... Sorry about that. Uh, I really uh, hate it because, you know, I've seen so many other horror movies like Friday the 13th that sort of copy its style. But looking at it as its own, you know, like in the time period in which it came out being sort of the pioneer of this style, or, or at least of like the studio horror film yeah. that it is, um, it actually was a lot more brilliant than I gave it credit for. Like watching it again, I can really get immersed into it. Um, there's just like there's little things that, that they do that uh, make it a, a more a superior uh, slasher film. It's not the first slasher film. I mean, that's that's usually credited to Black Christmas, but for the longest time, people would just say Halloween was the one that started the, the slasher uh, genre, and that's not exactly true. I mean, even you could, some people would say Psycho started it, but Halloween is the one that was like this micro-budget film that ended up making $50 million. Then all of a sudden, every studio started looking to like copying that. They do, do holiday-oriented ones. Like, you know, you mentioned Friday the 13th. There's Graduation Day. Um, I think there's one called Mother's Day. Um, my bloody Valentine, stuff like that, like and and also you know people with masks, point of view shots and stuff like that. So it's it really was a trendsetter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I'm not quite sure. Again, this is one of those things that it just it it helps to just see the movie and to just get into the atmosphere. There's just so many little things that happen that uh, can separate it from other films. I think one of the things that really um, elevates it is probably the first the probably the opening really um i think that donald pleasant is just uh, amazing as dr loomis and he really does make you feel the urgency of the situation yeah he doesn't get a lot of credit for the series it usually goes to jamie curtis and i gotta say this is gonna make me sound like a monster but i don't think she's that great of an actress until later when she shows up in like trading places and then she shows this whole new uh, version of herself the slasher, Jamie mm-hmm. Curtis, I think is bland and boring. Um, watch Prom Night. Watch Terror Train. She's almost asleep at the wheel. I don't know if she was embarrassed by then to be in those movies. Um, she's great in Halloween, too. I think she really cranks it up. In the first one, she's just kind of disconnected. It's Donald Pleasance that carries those first six movies with so much energy. And the funny thing is, he always thought it was insulting to even be in the movie. He's like, I'm only doing this because of my third divorce. I need the money. <laughs> yeah, he's just a consummate professional. Yeah. And uh, it really helps. It helps each movie he's in. Like when he wasn't in the third one, it got, you know, felt a little boring to me. Yeah, it's, uh, if you look at the movies he did outside of that, it did technically kind of save his career and give him a bit of a boost. But the projects he would choose, my God, they were like, just always like these Italian ripoff movies, low budget, you know, with the exception of the the two that he did with John Carpenter, Escape from New York and um, Prince of Darkness. The rest of his career was pretty much embarrassing yeah i don't i don't really remember any of the movies he's been in to be honest. yeah if you look at it you're gonna see lots of italian and they they would pay him to come in for like a day two days at like fifty thousand hundred thousand dollars for just minimal work so i mean if you're an older actor and you got a lot of debt you got to take care of i can totally see that as being enticing but it can also derail your career it's like how actors used to always do commercials in other countries because they knew nobody in the U.S. would see them. Totally. Now, now we see all of them. Yeah, I know. They stopped doing that. It's like, oh, crap, YouTube. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, um, 
And I also think it's the fact that Deborah Hill and John Carpenter were trying to elevate something um, that could have been Grindhouse um, higher up. You know, they really handmade this. You know, the music, the editing, the the cinematography, everything was very carefully crafted. Well, that's kind of John Carpenter's style. Again, it, you know, not to praise him, but that's all I ever do in these podcasts. Because he really is like one of the greatest directors, at least in his early career. Yeah, I was gonna say um, it got kind of bad towards the end. That last <laughs> last decade was a little it rough. Was, yeah, it was like watching you know your your grandfather on life support at the end. But anyway, <laughs> I what I really in, like about his style is yeah, pretty much all of his movies are just schlocky or stupid, but they're just so fun that it, it makes it something better. Like who would have figured Big Trouble in Little China would be anything other than like this crappy you know, a magic movie, but when you watch it, it's incredible. Like everybody I've ever shown that movie has said that it's amazing and they loved it. Yeah, it just a, transcends time. Yeah. If you look at the box office uh, hits of the eighties and nineties, I'm noticing that most of them are very safe studio. Oh, your, your mom and dad would go see this and, and I don't watch them like the Jack Ryan films. Come on. Clint Eastwood movies. Come on. Most of those I'm never going to watch again. They were safe movies. It's the, the ones with a very particular voice and eccentric qualities, those are the ones that people tend to go back to, the ones they hold up and cherish. Some of them aren't even that great of a film. They Live is a fantastic concept. The execution sometimes is really clumsy, but there's something so unique and oh different and forward-thinking about it that makes it so much better than movies that were a hit that year, you know, in 1988. I'm trying to think of something that was successful, but that's how pathetic movies were in that era. Like, just the safe movies yeah, it, were dull. It's almost more like his attitude is almost what sells it right in a way. Like you can tell that there's really this, um, you know, eccentric sort of anti, uh, corporate movie, uh, voice behind the camera. And, um, you know, it's funny is after this, he would get a TV movie, um, about Elvis. And I finally watched it. After, it's the only John Carver movie I had never seen, but I finally watched it. And they only chose him based on the fact that, uh, Oh, well he wrote the music for Halloween. So he understands music, which is true. But I thought that was funny because it's a completely different genre, and it's actually pretty decent, and it could have changed his career, but I think the real money for him was in Studio Fair. They would leave him alone if, as long as they gave him a product that they wanted. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I mean, he does score almost all of his movies. Yeah. The, um, and there was a long gap. He did The Fog. He started working on Escape from York. They were desperate for a sequel. Dino De Laurentiis was going to chalk up a bunch of cash. Um, going from a $300,000 budget to $2 million for, or I think it was $2.5 million for Halloween 2. And I actually think this is a great sequel. It's not the best sequel, but I think it's really top-notch. And the fact that he had so much control over it without actually directing it, I think helps it. Uh, wait, did you say he directed it? No, he, he didn't have time to direct it. He produced it, um, co-wrote the yeah, story. Yeah, he, he also wrote it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I was going to say the same thing. It's like, it's not the best sequel but for a sequel to not suck is usually you know pretty rare and so i actually really like uh halloween 2 i think it, I, I like that it picks up immediately where it leaves off in that really um that atmosphere that it, it keeps that atmosphere going from the beginning and just tries to keep elevating it um or at least you know just kind of stretch out that tension yeah. And I like the fact that she's sort of like going into an insane asylum as any person would under these circumstances. In that three year uh, Or at least I. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was. It was going on a different tangent. I didn't realize you were done. 
Uh, you were not done. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll shut up now. No, no, I pretty, I pretty much was done. Oh, okay. I was just sort of praising, praising it as a, a, a decent sequel, which is something that should be applauded because most sequels are terrible. Yeah, there's, there's a few movies where they're set in the hospital around this time period, but most of them are kind of junk. Uh, they really, but, they, but it's a scary atmosphere. I mean, it's a people. You know, uh, they dread going to the hospital. It's a place where they're like, am I going to come out on the other side? I don't know. So there's a lot of tension and stress already built into that set piece. And then to have it like a graveyard shift, it's bare bones, you know, uh, patients and staff. And, you know, in, in the dark and stuff like that. And it's just really clever to use it like this. The whole setting always made me really nervous when I watched it the first time. Yeah, the I, I love this use of shadow. It's a very dim dimly lit film and that really adds to its atmosphere i would say that it's definitely too dark in some places um and another criticism i would say probably uh the 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 kills in this movie a little unnecessary uh it feels like it, it it would be more terrifying i think if he just went immediately for her instead of like you know Killed everybody in the background having sex for no reason. Right. Well, here's the thing that changed in between 78 and 81 is special effects um, started going supernova. Everybody was fighting for the, like, the craziest death scenes. And um, the simple fact that now it was the whole, oh, you are misbehaving, you're a jerk, whatever, you're definitely going to be taken out. Which Friday the 13th is almost as much of a trendsetter as Halloween because I feel like Halloween 2 is now trying to compete with Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely felt like it was trying to be something other than it wasn't. And the one scene I do like is when um, uh, he takes the needle and rams it in the eye. I was like, that's a, that's a crazy stunt. I still am not exactly certain how they did that. Was it a fake eye? Was it a real eye? And it was just like a, a lightly pressured needle and it would go back? I don't know because it seems like that would be dangerous. Yeah, uh, the the ending definitely is pretty, pretty goddamn cool. <laughs> it's a little... A little silly, uh, especially that Lori. Do I have to even explain the plot of this one? Or no, uh, that, we don't really go into plots. I, I, I don't have that kind of patience. I listen to podcasts where they do, and I'm like, um, that's what Wikipedia is for. <laughs> Trailers. That's true. You really should watch the movie first before you come here anyway. Oh, I'm assuming anyway. I'm assuming everybody has. See, that's the other thing. I do make assumptions. I assume that everybody has watched these movies. Unless it's really obscure, like you and I had to explain 315 A Moment of Truth, because I felt like that was obscure. Halloween, if you're going to listen to this episode, I'm almost 90% sure you've seen the movies. Right. Uh, the first one, definitely. But I don't know how many people have seen the second one. I've never heard anyone talk about it. Yeah. And especially since it's like a pretty decent sequel. But anyway. It, well, it made, it made about half. Kind of... It made about half as much as the first one. But it's one of those, I think, that a lot of it rode on the success. Like, everybody was slasher crazy in 1981. And then three years later, it was completely dead because there's just too many of them. So I feel like a lot of people have, but you're right. I think it maybe kind of got uh, forgotten in the whole batch of slasher films from that time. Uh, well, I could describe the plot in about ten seconds. Oh, go ahead. It then. takes place immediately after takes place immediately after Halloween one, uh, where Laurie's in a hospital being stalked by Michael Myers. There you go. Yeah. Nice um, so the ending <laughs> is the one that always frustrated me, especially since there's a four with Michael Myers. Um, he shoots him in the eyes. He is done. He can't see. How is he still standing there, well, like, was, swiping the blade? I mean, he got shot in the head twice, and he's still standing. Well, how did he get shot six times, fall That's, out the window, okay, yeah, and be yeah, able yeah. to run? You know? Yeah, it, I, literally, it, as you're saying that, I thought about that. <laughs> it's just, it's magic. 
He's a magic man for some reason. Yeah, there's. He's just the embodiment of evil, I guess. Right. Kind of like what was creepy about the first one. That's the thing that we can't figure out. Is he a? So he was a person, but is he inhabited by an evil spirit? Is that why he went psycho? Um, you know how like they, the lore where vampires sometimes if they bite a person the, the person dies but a demon inhabits their body and takes over. Is that what happened to Michael? Yeah. Like when he was six, it just someone took over. Is is yeah. it like in part? I and mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but there's a thing in part six about like druids and you know he's basically a zombie being activated by them. It's very confusing because no one seems to. But it's also what keeps him still kind of scary after all these years because you're not still not sure. I do like that they didn't. Oh wait, never mind. I was gonna say I like that they never really went back to explain his past. And no, fuck that. I'm not, we're not talking about those. Ugh. Yeah, let's not talk about that. But um, I always imagined it as a sort of Twin Peaks vibe thing going, where he was just being possessed by an evil spirit or something. Okay, that makes much more sense. Like a possession. But but then he gets shot in the head. You think he would still die, but the demon takes over. Then Michael's gone. But then why would Michael care about killing? Oh, why would he kill about killing his sister? Which isn't in the first movie. That's something they revealed in the second movie. Yeah, I don't know. That was kind of a... It was interesting. I like the idea of, like, you know, like not being able to escape fate kind of thing. I don't know. There, there was uh, there was an idea that I, I thought was kind of interesting. It made it more frightening because it's very intimate. Uh-huh. But um, it, it doesn't really make sense, yeah. And then... In the third one, the, so originally John Carpenter didn't even want to continue the franchise with Michael Myers. I mean, the story was kind of said in the first one. But I do think the second one's a good companion piece because it does reveal new things. But by part three, he was like, I'm done with this. I want to go in a different direction. Do you think that three would have been more accepted if Michael Myers hadn't already been in the sequel? Like if it had just been part two had just been another Halloween story? Or do you think there would even be anything beyond part three? The franchise would just be done if it hadn't stayed with Michael Myers. I think the problem was that people hadn't had enough of the Michael Myers story yet. Like how Jason keeps coming back every year. They kind of wanted uh, some more Michael Myers shenanigans. <laughs> um, and that I think that sequel just came too early. I think people, you know, there, there was a finality of the second one. You know, the first one, second one ends it and then start a new franchise with the name. Yeah. I think people just wanted some more Michael Myers killing people with a kitchen knife. Yeah, well, three was a year after, just only one year, so there's no appetite either built up for it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's, yeah, if they waited like three years, then I think people might have accepted it, but um, I think that's too bad that they didn't, because I think number three is probably one of the better ones. It's very strange. It's so strange, but that opening sequence is one that's stuck on my mind all these decades, is the, uh, um, forming that pumpkin on the screen. I don't know why. And it plays so well with the music. And then it opens up with this huge panoramic. I mean, it's super wide shots. And they're more action-oriented than the first two movies. Actually, the whole thing is more sci-fi and action-oriented than Slasher. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely it was sci-fi. I loved the sort of anthology feeling that they were going to be putting into the new films or, it was, or you know, the, the idea yeah. essentially was an anthology series where you do like a different Halloween themed horror film. The um, So it'd be like kind of the way the Trick or Treat turned out to be, whereas but that one combined four in one movie, which is what that's the other thing is anthologies for people usually are different stories contained into one film. So you're conditioned to expect that. But a film series that moves on. That's usually the kind of thing that only goes straight to video. I don't know a lot of horror series that 
just changed directions completely with each entry. You know, like it, with, with the popularity of uh, shared universes with Star Wars and um, the Marvel movies, DC, not as popular, but still makes a shitload of money. With the popularity of those series, maybe you could pull this out and try again. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'd see that. Well, I mean, I, it, I they seem like they're done. Today. They seem like they're done, but I thought that after H2O as well, so. Uh. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so the third one is the weird one because that's one about the warlock and his whole uh, cadre of robots and. Well, hold on, I'm getting this confused with Phantasm. Are there, there druid dwarves or something like that? That's, that's Phantasm. Um, I'm trying to remember, but it's still like there's a whole group of people developing this crazy idea of having mass that will turn kids into monsters, but it will also kill the kids. And I don't know, it was weird. Yeah, it was definitely a very bleak horror movie I, I you know any movie where the goal is to kill all the children in the world is pretty pretty brutal um and it is sort of strange because not very many horror movies kill kids you know kids are always usually the safe ones like even in the first halloween they, they save the kids not in this one this one the target is the children yeah i was thinking about the uh, theme song it's impossible for you to watch this movie and not have it get stuck in your head it's uh, four more days till Halloween, 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 <laughs> Silver Shamrock. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I think a um, lot of... Uh, Tom, I, go ahead. Tommy Lee Wallace, I thought, was a, a great director. He ended up doing the TV movie It and Fright Night 2, but then he kind of disappeared after that. I think he got a lot of bad rap for sequels. Mm -hmm. uh, is it... Do you want to try to explain this plot or like the plot twist? Because it was really weird. Oh, that's okay. So, really yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's the one that's so head scratching weird. Okay, so Tom Atkins is a reporter, detective. He plays so many cops. I must assume he's a detective. But he's investigating why this guy was killed in the hospital. No, no, the guy goes into like some sort of like coma freeze, uh, catatonic state. And um, then someone comes in to kill him. And they're like, the guys who are like the assassins, they don't seem very human. And so he's trying to investigate what had happened. He runs into this girl, uh, Stacy Nelkin, I believe, plays her. And they go to this big factory where it's Silver Shamrock and they're creating the mass. But then it's run by this crazy warlock who wants to kill these kids and cause anarchy. Um, but somewhere along the way, she turns out to be a robot. And I think he even had sex with her, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and it still didn't make any sense. A lot of it's very confusing. So that's why I think people are frustrated with this one, too. It's not just because it's weird and it's different without Michael Myers. I think some of it is kind of clumsy. It's a, it's jumbled in a lot of ways. It, it, it's definitely one of those you kind of have to watch expecting to see some weird shit. Yeah, it's it's the most creative of the bunch, honestly. It's it's the oddball. The Oh, yeah. I, I, the, the problem is I wish this one had done better. It didn't do horribly. Everybody thinks it was a huge bomb, but I believe it cost $2 million and it made 14 That's nothing to sneeze at, especially back in those days. That was pretty decent money. And then it took that five-year gap. Mm, yeah, that's true. That, that is weird. If it, if it actually would, because, yeah, I, I thought it was just a total failure, but I guess I guess financially speaking, it really wasn't. But I, I wonder why they didn't continue with that idea. Yeah, it's uh, – I'm thinking now – see, the funny thing is that horror movies changed the next couple of years. In 84, the slasher was basically dead. 
The only ones that were still going were ones that had phantasmagorical qualities to them, like a rubber reality, like Night on Elm Street. You know, the Jason movies started bringing him back, and they started throwing crazy things in there, like, you know, uh, telekinetic power uh, adversaries. We had Phantasm coming back. And then, and then 1988, Halloween comes back, but it's the same old, same old. It's still a slasher, which is really out of place uh, at that time. It, it was very bland, too, and that's kind of the unfortunate thing. Is it not only does it sort of – did they have to immediately in the first 10 minutes have complete exposition of what happened because <laughs> it had been so long that people forgot? Well, but it also had to rewrite. That's... It also had to rewrite a lot of the established history yeah. uh, to make it make sense. This is back in the day, it seemed like all of the sequels would do previously on, because they assumed people would show up at the theater not knowing what the original was. Now, movies were on video by then. You could have rented them. This doesn't happen anymore. They don't They don't sum up usually what happened. There's not a lot of exposition about previously. And it just goes forward. I don't know if they assumed that people had not seen any other Halloween movies, and they were just going to show up to the theater to watch it. I Maybe. That might have been the way things were back then. I wouldn't have done that. No, it was extremely clumsy, and anybody who would actually watch the first two, especially in close uh, proximity to this one, they're going to be kind of confused and bored for a little bit. The uh, the gore factor is uh, almost brought back to the original. There's hardly any. I mean, a lot of it's insinuated. You don't really see it, or it's real minimal. It's, it's like they don't want to spend the money on the, the effects. But that's the thing is, by 1988... Everybody was trying to top each other on crazy special effects. We're talking post Evil Dead 2, the Blob, the the Fly, the the um, the Freddy movies really escalating special effects to a new level. And Michael Myers, I think maybe that was because it wasn't really part of that world. Is because it was more about atmosphere and mood than you know whiz bang wow effects. Yeah, definitely. But that's the thing again that John Carpenter really got right was those really big, wide shots to, and to really make it feel like you're a part of this world and everything looked great. But now it's just dark and dimsy, dimly lit, um, static, bland shots. The, so uh, it doesn't really feel like... It doesn't feel natural anymore. See, for me, I actually think that Rick Rosenthal actually created a good atmosphere. It seemed better quality than what I expected. I'm trying to remember the damn director. He directed Rapid Fire. He the funny thing is this guy who do uh, Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers ended up almost doing exclusively action films after this. Why can't I remember his fucking name? I'm gonna I'm gonna look here if my internet worked. Um, That's weird. But he did. Mar- also, yeah, oh, Dwight Little. Uh, Dwight Little did that uh, Steven Seagal uh, Rastafarian movie, um, March for Death. Oh, he did Rapid Fire. He did Anaconda though. No, 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 not Anaconda. The sequel. Anaconda is the blood for the uh, the Blood Orchid one. Blood Orchid is that the one with um, God? What was his name? Uh, John Voight. No, that's the original. That one was directed by uh, the guy who did um, Sniper, uh, Luis Losa. But um, during the 90s, all this guy did, Dwight Little, was like these potboiler action films. And then uh, would every once in a while do a kung fu flick or a horror film, you know, back to his you know, direct-to-video grindhouse roots. But it's just funny because um, it seemed like that happened a lot with horror directors. Because you look at the Nightmare on Elm Street series, 
Uh, we got Rennie Harlan off of Nightmare 4, who would do a bunch of action movies. Chuck Russell, who did Eraser and The Mask, Scorpion King, stuff like that. So a lot of these horror guys are doing action films now. Because I think horror had moved from slow terror. Because you watch the movies from the 70s and 80s, man. It's a slow burn. And all of a sudden, like in 86, 87, all of a sudden they started cutting them quicker, like MTV style. And, you know, this is giving them kung fu moves and shit like that. So horror really changed in the last half of the 80s. That's true, but and trying to go back to that style is uh, interesting, but just didn't work for me. I think one of the things that really took me out of it was was how exaggerated Michael Myers' strength is in the movie. Oh, definitely. Especially since he's just playing a human being. Yeah. I, I don't know any human being, and again, he's you know in the other movies he was shot, whatever. But it, in this one. He legitimately takes a shotgun and impales somebody on it <laughs> yeah. without blood on it. That was weird. I um, are you are you okay with them basically killing off uh, Laurie Strode and then focusing on her daughter? Well, sure. I think it's fine. I actually, when we get to the ending, I, I actually really love the ending. Yeah, but. It's it's fine. Again, she wasn't really a strength in the in those movies. I mean, she was known for her screaming, not so much for her acting in those movies. Yeah. So you know, having Loomis, Loomis in it, yes, definitely a plus. And not having her, definitely a plus. Focusing on sort of you know the her her kid or you know it, I, I like those things. Um, did not like the movie, and again, it was just I felt the atmosphere was lacking. I think that his strength was exaggerated to a ridiculous degree. I um I I, I, I think um, Daniel Harris is actually superior to Jamie Lee Curtis in four and five. A lot of it has to do with the fact that she's a child in peril, which is so much scarier than just a teenager because they've had so much less life to live. They're not as um, physically capable of taking care of themselves. So I brought up the fear factor. I think she's a great child actress. The, and, and what what bugs me is four and five. I absolutely adored when I was younger. And then to see her erased from the whole franchise because it wasn't profitable to keep her as a lead or a main character, I was just like, okay, that sucks. It's an insult to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, the girl did great in the movie. Like uh, when she screams, it definitely feels like a little kid is in, is in terror. So and, uh, I, I like the I like that. I also do like the idea that she's sort of um, having these panicked episodes about him and I, I don't that's that's the thing that's a little weird is that how that kid know it, what he looks like all right i guess you know if your if your mom was almost killed by you know michael marsh you probably would have seen his pictures everywhere right that so and there I, seems i kind of i kind of like the idea that she's kind of going insane at that age right well loomis is going insane too before he kind of starts hitting oh, him, yeah. but five he goes completely nuts we'll get to that one but yeah, he's starting to become completely obsessed, and people are no longer like listening to him. They think he's a wacko. Yeah, uh, I, I like that arc too. And again, that's just because Donald Pleasant is awesome. But yes. I also thought it was hilarious when they were saying that Doctor Loomis was still Michael Myers' doctor. I was like, I don't know what hospital would keep the guy that had been trying to kill him or that did kill him right. <laughs> as his doctor. But then I thought about it. I was like, well, who else is going to take care of Michael Myers? Nobody. So I guess they're just going to let him have him. And, and they thankfully gave Loomis a lot of injuries um, because he blew up in the second one. The fact that he survived is a shock in itself. But, you know, to have his face half burnt, he's crippled, and his, you know, apparently what, what's under his glove is a mutilated hand. 
But now he's like tougher than he ever was before. I'm like, how did this crippled man do a huge jump behind these giant oil cans? This explosion went off. Oh my god! It jumps up, picks up a gun. Michael, Michael. (laughs) Yeah, stuff like again, yeah, just breaking immersion in those scenes. (laughs) You are the Duke of Haddonfield, a number one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, having Michael Myers drive a giant ass truck through a building. And having Michael Myers impale someone on a shotgun instead of shooting them with it when it was loaded. Yeah. Stuff like that. It doesn't seem his style. That's the weirdest thing. Yeah. Um, so we'll continue this uh, discussion for part, parts farts? For farts five and <laughs> for parts five <laughs> through eight, which is why we're legitimately calling this now trash cinema. See, the first four are not that bad. It's kind of borderline trashy with some of the sequels. But part five is when shit just starts going horribly all over the place. And that's why I think it's yeah. proper to include this in trash cinema. Yeah, I mean, number four, and you know, I'll say that it's not the worst movie. I was, I was still entertained when watching it, even for those ridiculous moments. It just wasn't, like, great. You know, I, yeah. would, I, would, I would say it's a, it's a watch. You know, it's not like a, you really should go see this. It's just like, yeah, you know, if you're into that kind of stuff, it's pretty good. It derails hard, especially number five. Yeah, I, you didn't really care for four too much. I dig it. I think it's one of my favorite sequels. Um, five is so insanely generic with no vision whatsoever. There's no interesting characters. The worst thing they do is kill off um, Ellie Cornell, who is like the older adopted sibling in part four. Like, they kill her, like, what, 20 minutes in? Yeah, um, and I would just like to, for the record, I know I, I think I was a little uh, critical of number four, and I don't know if I said that I really enjoyed the ending. I thought it was a very strong finish for the series. It should not have kept going, because now watching number five, number four looks like a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, the interesting stuff that they do build into it is more like supernatural elements, where they have a psychic connection between um, Daniel Harris's character and Michael Myers. Um, is this when they introduce the, the, the little markings of the, the runes or something like that? They start, and then the, the man in black, they start introducing that. I think that was number, yes. Yeah. He showed up. Uh, it's hard to, these, the, these kind of bleed together, but yeah, he shows up, I think twice with just the black coat, black hat. And then. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about the end, but what should we explain the story or? Uh, no, not really. It's almost it's a direct continuation <laughs> of part four. Um, he's in a coma for a year, which is strange until they start explaining stuff. I think it's funny is you understand more of part five once you watch part six, which was like six years apart and uh, also just not very good. But they kind of explain that he gets put into some sort of weird. Uh, catatonic state where he can go beyond the pain and he can heal from it. Right. It was such a weird direction for number five to kind of take a more supernatural approach to it and then not explain the supernatural elements of it until the next movie. Right. So it's like, it's like watching it and if you're basically watching it in reverse order. Yeah. The, uh, what does work though is now Donald Pleasant's character is almost completely insane. Like doing stuff that's so illogical just so he can capture Michael. And, uh, why can't I remember the girl's name? Daniel Harris's character. I'm all of a sudden losing this. 
Uh, I don't know. Generic generic little girl. All right, yeah, let's just move on from there. Yeah, I really like both of their performances. I think the end sequence in the house um, was pretty entertaining. I remember being scared when I saw it when I was, like, I don't know, 16. Um, but other than that, the movie's so flat, so bloodless and generic. Like, if you're going to go without any gore effects, at least make it classy. But they couldn't even do either one. Yeah, I, I do have to say, though, that I think – uh, the scene, especially with her in the uh, when they're in the house, she's trying to escape him, and he's stabbing through the vent that she's in. That yeah. scene was actually really—I I thought that was really good. Yeah, that's the but best. Pretty part. much everything else. Was... And every character's in it so insanely um, but... stupid. The cops are fucking dumb. In fact, I think there's a thing where the director chose to choose uh, chose uh, cartoon sounds to play. Like they're so dopey. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They. They. When it showed the two cops in the cop car, it had a very cartoony soundtrack to them when they were talking in there, or something like that. Hey, buddy, what are you doing? Hey, this is a party, man. What you? What do you? Hey, get over here, buddy. And then like leaning over each other, and of course you can see it from a mile away that he's obviously gonna shove something through both of them because the one guy is practically laying on top of the other cop. Like, what are you doing? Uh, was it, okay, was it this one or was it number six? Can't remember. These kind of bleed together a little bit. But, um, was that, was this the one where there was, like, kids dressed up as Michael Myers scaring the police and then the police pulled the guns on them? Uh, and that, they're like, whoa, just a prank, bro. No, that's actually part four. That's, I'm almost certain that's part four. Was it really? Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's, that's another reason why I didn't like that. Yeah. But anyway... Um, that, yeah, so this movie kind of can, takes basically the worst elements of number four and just keeps going with it. Oh, totally. And they rushed it, too, because I remember they were surprised that part four made, I don't even think it made a lot of money, but it made it decent. I think it made like $19 million off a $5 million budget. So they rushed part five without really like taking time to let the script develop. It was like, are we done? Good. We got a deadline. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, lack of <laughs> of interest really shows. Yeah, the uh, the company Galaxy International. I think this was their last film. I think they only did like three movies. I can't even remember what the third one was. Um, so then the series kind of went into hibernation. Eighty nine, like I said, was the the great death of all those franchises. You know, Halloween, Freddy, and Jason. Sorry, Halloween, Freddy. Yeah, and Jason. Okay. Um, uh, all took many years off. And then, of course, it would come back with, like, the final. And I think, if I remember correctly, there was a trailer for Part 6 on my VHS of The Crow where it said, like, the final oh. Michael Myers adventure or something like that. I was like, yeah, sure. You guys keep saying that. That's obviously not true. <laughs> no, they're just going to – these franchises will just be milked forever. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're making an, another Halloween movie. And I would like to say that – Again, what I really enjoyed about the Nightmare on Elm Street and series, and why I, I, even though they have some weak entries, I think overall it's a pretty solid uh, horror series, is because it always adds from the last movie. It never tries to necessarily rewrite what oh, yeah. happened. I think it's it the laziest thing ever. New element. Fix it. Just fix it. Don't but, erase it. Yeah, but Halloween will reboot almost every one. Like, every time there's like, oh, Lori's dead, and the next movie, oh, actually, she's alive and has a son now. It's like, what the hell is happening? Where, where's the consistency? Like the new Halloween, Jimmy Lee Curtis is back, but she died in like episode six. So it was just like totally, or number seven, I think. No, it's anyway, eight. Eight. 
No, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. We'll get to that. We'll get to yeah. that. Um, yeah, but that's the thing that's bugging <laughs> right, me is that, and also when I watch the trailer, I just go, "This is the same exact plot as part, you know, H two O. It's part seven again. It's the same plot, just different cast members." And, and I just don't understand the point. And then I'm reading an article in Entertainment Weekly this week because she's on the cover. And it basically says, yeah, we're setting it up. And if it's successful, we'll have another entry in the franchise. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care now. I, I don't even know if I'm going to watch this on video. I don't care anymore. Yeah, unless, unless Michael Myers is going to fight uh, Freddy or Jason, I don't care about another Halloween movie. You know, you know like, when uh, – basically. When Jason vs. Freddy came out, I was like, well, what does Dimension Pictures have? Well, they have Hellraiser that's been sitting around, and they got Michael Myers. That sounds like a good idea. That would be interesting if uh, Michael Myers becomes a Cenobite or something. <laughs> well, this is, let's talk about this in part six is when they really start diving into um, like the metaphysical, Number what is six. it, the dark arts? Yeah. Dark arts. It starts with a cult uh, sacrifice. That's how fucking how fucking weird this one gets. Yeah, and I don't. This is the one that's all messed up because. Nah, I can hear myself. What the nah, hell? Nah, I can hear myself. What the? That's creepy and weird. I don't like that. <laughs> um, it's only creepy because we've been watching Halloween movies. Well, no, this is something I think is going off my headphones because this happened on the last episode I did with someone else. Um, halfway through, I could hear myself. But, um, okay, so Curse of Michael Myers was one that sat on the shelf for an extra year. It was supposed to come out fall of 94, came out fall of 95, because Dimension Pictures decided to go back and reshoot, like, 50% of it and then still cut a ton of it out. I've seen the producer's cut. It's much better. But that's like saying, look, this pile of shit isn't as big anymore, but it's still a pile of shit. It was basically the same thing with um, uh, Batman v Superman. Everyone's like, oh, the well, if you watch the extended cut, it's not quite as bad, but it's still pretty bad. It's kind of, it's kind of that. So uh, number six, this is the one with the with all the occult shit, where Michael Myers. Okay, I didn't really quite follow because of the weird, how far out of left field it goes. Uh -huh. So is Michael Myers? He's possessed by a spirit or a demon called Thorn, right? Yeah, it's the curse of the Thorn, which and... is also. <laughs> so okay so he's possessed by the thorn which is also a a um constellation and whenever that constellation exists which only appears on halloween but not every halloween <laughs> he comes back to try to kill his own family member but they don't even explain why that is so like, he's just kind of like he's basically a, a a demon um not necessarily an assassin but like the the strong man you know the guy that'll um, you know go get the, that person for the sacrifice. So he's basically just now, instead of like this imposing spirit creature, now he's just like a grunt. Yeah, he's a he's a, a mercenary or sort. Um, yeah, it's like as if a demon had possessed a child, um, what at age six, and you know, and then mm -hmm. just when they're ready, that's why he goes in those hibernation states. I mean, well, I mean, at least they tried to explain some stuff, add more to the mythology because. I don't know. At some point, you might just start getting tired of the same exact plot. Oh, let's kill another. Oh, it's Jamie. It's Jamie. I finally remembered. Um, that's the little girl's name. Uh, he kills her off in the oh. beginning. So then it's kind of rudderless, except for the fact that, guess what? There's a baby. And a baby ends up in another family. Yeah. And I think, if I remember correctly, they all end up living in the Myers house, which I'm like, awesome. Look, can we just burn this house to the ground? <laughs> I don't know. The, the whole Michael Myers... 
um, mythology is extremely limited. And when you try to add things onto it, it just is makes it confusing and unnecessary. It does. See, that's, I think, part of the fear factor of the first movie is that it's just this mindless drone you can't you can't negotiate with, you cannot um, reason in any way whatsoever. He is on a mission, and nothing's going to stop him. But you don't know why, and that's what's scary. And then you give... Go ahead. No, Michael, okay, look, you can't make eight movies based on that premise no, alone. You can't. That's no, why no, you no. got to add a bunch of bullshit. But yeah, but then that kind of loses the fear uh, factor. Uh, okay, so I'm looking at this right now, and... Um, the original work print of the film had 45 minutes of alternative footage and an alternative ending, ending, which I remember seeing bootlegs of it available, but it wasn't until I think Scream Factory or Shout Factory put it out recently where you get the original producer's cut. Is there an original version where Paul Rudd is a good actor? Because that's yeah. pretty bad. <laughs> is that weird? that he's the, We love him now. He's so charming, and he was good in uh, Clueless the same year. Um, well, no, wait, so it's delayed, so I guess it just sat on the shelf for a year while he learned to act. That's the only thing I can think. Yeah. And he's playing Tommy yeah, from the first movie. This, yeah, this is definitely one where people, uh, where, where he's going to look back on and be like, man, I hope they burn every copy of that. I do not want to have to feel the Q&A. And oh, one of these my God, yeah. Ant-Man uh, questionnaires. I do, not, I do not want to have J- Jimmy Kimmel ask me about this movie or something. <laughs> Um, yeah, this one is slow as a snail. I think this is when Dimension Pictures was brand new, and they weren't spending very much money. I think they only spent like $3 million, and it shows. It's a very tight, weird uh, script in the first place. I'm always shocked that it even got made. It's, yeah, it, it's so weird and stupid, and if they just kind of throw things out there to try to explain something and it just does not make sense. Cause then every time you throw out an explanation, you need three more explanations. So it's just terrible. If they were attempting world building, they failed horribly. Um, Paul Rudd is a disaster. And it, there's just so many weird things. Like why the hell does his character just stand at the window and stare at everybody that walks by. And then when he's asked about it, he's like, I'm looking for Michael. It's like, how are you going to, what? You're looking in one direction at one street. Like There are other ways to get into that building. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. His character, Paul Rudd's character is creepy as hell. Um, this is the end of Donald Pleasance. Now, he's not as insane as he was before. I mean, it's because he was so old that he could barely get the performance out. I mean, he's still good, but uh, the passion is gone, I think, in his performance. And sadly, he would pass away before it was released. Yeah, that was the weird thing about the ending, too. Which I'm I'm so sorry to Donald Pleasant that this movie was dedicated to him at the you know like the end there. That was just kind of like twisting the knife. It it was it was terrible. Um, I was um, just going to say real I'm quick. I'm so okay. confused. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I wanted to say uh, the uh, Daniel Harris did want to return to the role. And uh, apparently there were salary issues, and they said that she was just a scale character who dies in the first 20 minutes, so they didn't give a shit. And, um, yeah, that just pay the extra money. Come on. It couldn't have been that much. Yeah. I don't know. They would have cut it anyway. Yeah. But so what happened at the end? Again, I maybe it's supposed to be ambiguous, but Michael's mask is taken off, and there's like a needle full of some liquid that's totally – you know, uh, taken out of the syringe, which I guess was some kind of sedative. 
And then you hear Donald Pleasant's character, Dr. Loomis, screaming in the background, and then that's the end of the movie. Um, I have no idea. God, that's where, that's where it gets messy that. because the producer's cut's wildly different. Okay, so what I remember of the the version you've probably seen is it's like after he takes down Michael, he looks down at his hand, and it shows the stars aligning on Dr. Loomis's hand, which makes him now a soldier of this cult i don't i don't remember it's it's it was a weird decision the 90 year old dr loomis is gonna be killing people. Yeah, yeah or that okay. or he was part of the cult i can't remember it was but how would he not know he was part of the cult it's such a shit show dude seriously this was such a headache Wait, why would they why would they use the same mask every time they get a new killer you know like that yeah. doesn't make sense either this is you know i can't remember oh. if it was part five where they changed the mask um, I don't know if you noticed that, but the mask is not the same as it used to be because before it was a copy of a mm-hmm. William Shatner mask, and in the it's flipped inside out. Yeah. yeah, and then part five is just like they took out all the the features that made it look human. Now it just looks like an automaton, and it, it loses a lot of the character that you love. I mean, there's something about seeing something that's human but not human is like distant um, that makes it a little scary. But yeah, they reworked the mask. It looks like shit. To be fair, the new Halloween that's coming out pretty soon, I think the mask looks really good. Yeah, I think they returned. It more in, of like well, a... Well, H2O, I think they, they put the mask back to where it was before. I don't know if William Shatner threatened to sue or what happened. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I, I do like the new mask because it does have kind of like more of a painted-on look where it's almost like war paint rather than a, a mask. I think that's kind of a neat idea. Oh, okay. But that's not... I'm not going to pay $10 to watch it. No. But I, I, I like that they're trying. They try. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Uh, originally, this, the movie was called Halloween 666, The Origin of Michael Myers. Um, but that it never really does give the origin, so I'm a little confused. No. <laughs> the origin is that they possess a kid um, or, a, or a 90-year-old Loomis for some reason to find and kill people for no particular stated reason. Yeah. Well, here's the point where the series probably would have gone uh, direct-to-video. This is like when Hellraiser was, Dimension was changing their focus post-Scream. And, um, but it's because I think they used so much of Halloween in Scream that people started to become like, really fond of it. And so, like, you know, look, everybody's interested in Halloween again. It's getting, it's getting really hot. Let's uh, go back, overhaul Halloween. Let's make it young and hip and cast kids from popular TV shows. Let's get Jimmy Lee Curtis back. Let's get Kevin Williamson to produce and do the story. And even, even the director, um, Steve Miner, did a bunch of episodes of Dawson's Creek. Now, he did have horror pedigree. We've talked about his films before. He did uh, Friday the 13th Part 3 and 4. No, I'm sorry, 2 and 3. Um, and he did House okay, and cool. Warlock. So it's not like he didn't know horror but by this time, I think he had become kind of like safe mainstream, and um, I think it does serious damage to H2O. Um, I don't know. I, H2O, I actually thought was probably the the it was definitely the best of this of the last half. Oh, it is. It definitely is. But um, for some reason, I thought it was one of the greatest. I thought it was the best sequel for a long time. And I watched it recently. And I can feel kind of like the stench of post-Scream. Everybody has something hip to talk about, all the cool characters. You know, it's like, this doesn't feel real at all. That's my That was my problem with it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that the relationship between uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character and her son was interesting. I thought they had um, 
I, I thought their dialogue felt very natural. When most she of when the she's time. upset with him downtown, when she's cussing him out or whatever, that was real. yeah, that was great. But it's when the kids interact yeah. with each other is when I didn't care. Yeah, exactly. Because she carries that movie essentially, and it, it's a good thing because she's most of it. And I do like that they sort of delve into the trauma aspect Definitely. of something like you that. Know, How would it have an effect on her for the rest of her life? It's very um, – I, I kind of want to relate to Aliens and Terminator 2 in a weird way where it's sort of like the uh, female protagonist who has who protect, has more of like a maternal instinct and it's not necessarily that she's an action star. It's just that it's more of this um, – It's more protector uh, than defender. Uh, or offender. Right, yes. Yeah. Um, here's something weird I'm just going to mention real quick. I'm looking at the poster for Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, and it doesn't look like William Shatner. It looks like um, uh, it's Sutherland, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, if they had done a photo of him. <laughs> just look at the poster <laughs> sometimes. It looks just like Kiefer Sutherland. But, um, yeah, H2O, we went to the theater and saw this. And I remember um, when the intensity started kicking in, there was a guy behind me who was just like, oh, God, oh, Jesus, oh, sweet Jesus, oh, fuck, oh, God. And I go, dude, could you just shut up already? And he's like, fuck you. Me and my friends are going to beat you up. And I look, and he has, like, four really big friends with him. I'm like, okay. I stepped in that one. And then I waited until the movie yeah. was completely over, looked out in the lobby to see if they were around, and then I went out the exit door instead. <laughs> Because I'm a wimp. Actually, yeah, no, anybody you, anybody would run when it's like five against one, honestly. Oh, yeah. Who's going to take on like five people at once? Nobody. Well, Jeff. I mean, unless you're a karate instructor yeah. who's lying to your students. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, so this one, yeah. You go to a... Her drinking habit was really um, uh, an added element. Like you said, the trauma... Here's the thing is that I don't like about the – another thing about like a, the new movie is that they're like, oh, this one's so much better because she's dealing with the trauma of being attacked and that she's become a warrior. And I'm like, yeah, you, you kind of already did that. Well, I don't know what you mean. Just because she's not carrying around a shotgun? I mean she picked up that axe and handled it pretty well. Yeah, uh, and that's another thing I like about I, I like about this one. It, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, Jeepers Creepers where they kind of break um, the cliché. Uh, the villain, uh, you know, gets up after you think you kill it. So in Jeepers Creepers, where they run over the creature and then they start running over it multiple times. Yes. Yeah. It's like, it's never dead after the first one. And I like that. It was like, oh, it's over. They, you know, put him up in a body bag and she pulls out a gun. It's like, no, fuck you. I'm taking the, the van because he's going to come back and then drives him out in the middle of nowhere and cuts his fucking head off. Yeah, so I, I heard I, that. I, I, like... <laughs> I heard rumors that they wanted to take the mask off. They're going to finally show his face, and that's when she decapitates him. So you're certain it's over. But Dimension Pictures wouldn't agree to it. So they're like, "Look, let's write an ending that could be still ambiguous." See, I really, really thought it was over. I mean, he's up against the the van pinned, which is a great sequence, and he's grabbing at the mask to make sure it's yeah. there, and he's reaching out to her, and it's really sad because she's like, "This is my brother." I mean, we didn't even know each other, but this is still my family. And then she has that realization. It's like, oh, I, I got to do this. There's no way out of this. And so she just takes his head off, and the movie just ends. And you're like, yeah. And then you you go into the next one. You're like, okay, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. I know that. Yeah, H2O would have been a great ending to a series. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's definitely one of the better ones. Yeah. And you know, if it ended there, it would have been a pretty a solid series with a couple road bumps. Yeah. But then it's it's the absolute worst. I'm telling you, Resurrection is a gigantic flaming pile of dog shit. 
And it doesn't even have the fun weirdness of part six or Donald Sutherland or not Donald Sutherland, Donald Pleasance. Um, (laughs) It's, it's another one of those where when they were done with the film, they tested it with audiences. The audiences hated it. So they went back and they reshot it. Now H2O and um, resurrection are both. um, What was I going to say? I can't believe I lost my train of thought. (laughs) Oh, oh, they're rush productions. So, you know, they started shooting H2O in February, and they had to have it ready for an August release. And the same thing with uh, Resurrection, but I think it got – it had so many problems, they had to keep delaying it and delaying it delaying it. And um, it didn't fix it. They did so many reshoots, spent another like three or four million dollars, and it's still just fucking terrible. And a lot of it has to do with like these boneheaded decisions to make it hit. I think it broke up. What's that? Yeah. Oh, you broke up for a second. What's that? Oh, I just said all the reshoots were pointless. It's just like it didn't make it any better. No, and you know what's what's worse to me? Okay, so did you ever see the remake of 13 Ghosts? Um, yeah, 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 I've seen that one. Okay, so it's basically like that, but about 50 times worse. It, it kind of has, it, it's sort of that meta, it was like pseudo-meta concept movie of... Um, like, oh, we're going to, you know, do an old movie, but we're going to revamp it for the 2000s. And yeah. it's just a horrible mistake. The, uh, yeah, trying to make it like, um, what's that show that was on uh, MTV where they go into haunted houses with cameras stuck to their head? What the fuck was that called? I don't know, like Ghost Hunters? Yeah, uh, Fear Factor or something like that, whatever it was. Um, yeah, so they're going to go to the Myers house. They're going to film themselves for a live internet event. I, I wonder what the streaming was like back then. It had to been so broken up and pixelated because there's just no way this, the quality of streaming uh, existed back then. I, yeah, like I think they showed people watching it too, and it was pretty like you know clear and uh, like no uh, buffering issues. I'm like, this is yeah. not realistic. I mean, I know that's a small detail, but still. Yeah, well, it's just all the characters are unlikable, completely unlikable. I mean, and and especially like. They have this weird segue thing where there's another party at the time, and they're all watching it. And I'm just like, this is the fakest bullshit. I did, none of this feels like it's authentic. I don't care about any of these characters. Um, you know what's funny is I've actually met the star of this movie. Oh, really? Bianca Kajish or whatever. She was uh, she was in Rules of Engagement after this for like seven years. But she was in Target one day. And um, she was walking right past me, and I go, oh, hi. And then she was like, just kind of waved, smiled, and kind of took off. I think she knew she didn't really want to be recognized. Um, and I was like, nah, yeah. I'm just going to let that go. I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> what, what would be the first thing you would ask her about? What like, the fuck was going on with Resurrection? No. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just, you know, just yell it out. And then no. other people are like, yeah, that would be something. I'm nice. I'm nice. I would have said something generic like, oh, I loved you on Rules of Engagement. You know, and then forgetting that it just been canceled. I know people hate that show, and it's not exactly high level class, you know, quality, whatever. But it's like comfort food. Um, mm. Yeah, but yeah, the, that movie. It's just uh, the Buster Rhymes thing. He's charming. He has charisma. It doesn't mean he's a good actor. I mean, everything he's. Uh, no. I feel like every. Here's the thing: is it's not just him though. I feel like a lot of this stuff is auditions, not auditions, but um, rehearsals. That we're like, well, we're good. We don't, we don't need to actually film it, film it. Just like we, we got the rehearsals on tape. Let's just put that out. No. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I don't know how to express in words just how bad this one is. Yeah. It's, 
it's uniquely bad. Yeah, it's, well, it just goes on forever too, doesn't it? It just goes on. You're like, oh, I thought all these characters. Oh, he's gonna come back again. Oh, he's good. Okay. Uh, it's like they like they had an ending. They're like that ending's not good enough. Let's do another ending. It's only an hour and a half. What's that? Yeah, it's it's only an hour and a half, and yet it feels like five hours. God, I know if it made it an hour and a half, I feel like with all the edits that it just got shorter. But yeah, I just feel like there's so many endings. They finally burned that fucking house to the ground. Thank God. And then uh, we should probably, uh, like, we, like I said earlier, uh, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it um, oh, right, yeah. again, Mental Institution, which is kind of a callback to the second one. And then she's killed in the first 15 minutes. And which, then I think she Michael demanded. Myers walks into someone's cell. Yeah. yeah I think she demanded. <laughs> yeah. She was like, look, I'll show she, up. And then she uh, is tired of it. Yeah, I think she was like, give me a huge paycheck. I die in the first 10 minutes and I'm out of this shit. Yeah, and then she, you know, hasn't gotten work since she's been, you know, pitching those uh, yogurts for a while. <laughs> so they're like, oh, we can probably get her for cheap now. Yeah, well, I think and she was so in a TV show. What was that, the Screen Queens that did well? But yeah, and other than that, no, she hasn't done a whole lot. Yeah, what was it, Danny a Yogurt or something? Yeah. I don't remember. The parodies of that or on Saturday Night Live killed me. <laughs> so anyway, so she comes back, killed immediately. And then Michael Myers walks in, into the mental institution walks up to some guy, gives him a knife, his knife and the mask, and then walks away. And <laughs> that's, I was like, this is probably the worst thing that has ever happened in the series. Yeah. What the fuck just happened? That guy who spouts I mean, off like, all the serial killer that. stuff, and he knew, he's like, ooh, I know you, you're Michael Myers. Oh, well, here's a gift. <laughs> you, 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 were, you were born on this date. Your sister is Laurie. Like that. Like what the hell happened? Like why would you? First of all, you never. You don't really want to explain the backstory of a villain in exposition. Not like no. And yet, it's just it's just like a minute straight of him just explaining details of who he is as he's walking away in the darkness. Yeah, it had to like, be a bummer the for the that? director. Rick Rosenthal uh, did the uh, the Halloween two, and and that's pretty good. But he comes back for this one. It's just yeah, like, oh, all that match is gone. <laughs> Jesus, I, I don't know if they if he tried to make a bad horror movie or if this is just what happened. But holy, yeah, that was a mistake. Worst moment. So worst moment. Check a treat, motherfucker. <laughs> oh Jesus, yes. Okay, that's not even the only one-liner either. He, what is he? Doesn't he say, like, happy Halloween, bitch, or something like that before he... Doesn't he, like, do kung fu? I, I he does. He does kung fu on like, him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why? I, I walked to... Because what happened is, like, he said, happy Halloween, motherfucker. Or, or, you know, he said some action movie line and then, like, got into a karate stance or something. And then I just got up and walked out and listened to it from the kitchen. I was like, I'm not watching this. Yeah, he's just like, man, you so, mess with the original Shaolin master. I think he's even watching a Kung Fu movie at some point or whatever, like that he absorbed the Kung Fu. And I was just like, Oh, this is an idea that he must've thrown at the director. And the director's like, look, dude, I'm exhausted. We've done so many reshoots. Fuck it. Just go for it. Just do it. Yeah. He's probably like, we'll never even use that take anyway. Might as well just make him happy. And that's just what it ended up being. Yeah. Okay. So we have a little bit of time left. Let's uh, let's talk about the remakes real quickly. I barely remember them, but I just remember the first one being okay. I don't really want to know the backstory of Michael Myers. It's like knowing the backstory of Darth Vader. It just destroys it for me. Um, well, here's the thing. Um, I'm not totally opposed to the idea, and I actually think the first half of that mo- of the Rob Zombie movie 
where um, they're explaining the backstory. I'm fine with that because the series is over anyway. Like yeah. we're not going to go back to the whole Michael Myers stalking, killing thing. Like let's just try something new. I'm totally fine with it. If you want to make a more understandable <laughs> villain or a more sympathetic villain, and it's just more about you know um, his turn to darkness. And you want if you want to do something with that, I'm totally up for it. The problem is it doesn't make sense where uh, Donald Pleasant's character, Dr. Loomis, who's now played by Michael McDowell, um, is just a fucking asshole. <laughs> and that's the character. Like, it doesn't make sense that he, okay, so he's a kid. He's dark. He's a dark kid, whatever. Kills his family, but he doesn't really remember that it happens. And so he's kind of going through therapy and he seems like he's a normal kid. And then he starts going into that dark place again. And in, instead of intervening where you should, Dr. Loomis basically just treats him like an asshole. And that's why he becomes evil. Michael! Michael! Take it, we should watch the Halloween movies back to back and do like a drinking game. You're going to be done by part four. <laughs> just done. You're so drunk, you can't finish it. But um, yeah, right. It's, it's, here's my problem with the two movies, too, is uh, uh, it's Trailer Park. It's the white trash version of Halloween. It takes some of the class out of it, which I always thought was what separated from the other slasher films. And uh, two, hey, let's have a revolving cast of, hey, you were in that movie and you were in that movie. It's like it's just nonstop cult actors instead of just choosing the right actors. Just like, oh, who has a small following? We can bring them back. Yeah, and again, I'm, I'm fine with trying something new and going different directions, which is, again, why I... I defend the first half of the movies like it's okay it's not great it's just okay um but then the last half where they introduce you know Lori um and she is a, a bitch <laughs> she's a horrible person and kind of the point of the first of the original you know movie was like she's just a normal everyday person she's you know not really exceptional but there's something about out her that draws this serial killer and that's kind of what makes it horrifying it's just like what is like why why this this person hate her so much right it's like the darkness trying to destroy the purity of it all like she was just a normal typical safe kid you know and in this nice little neighborhood and it can all go horribly wrong yeah so this one where usually when you want someone to when you want the audience to want someone to die you make that that person very stereotypical or you give them, or you make them an asshole. Um, but you usually don't make your main character an unlikable person. No. And then want them to live in the end because no one's going to do that. And that's just like this movie. I swear to God, I remember watching it the first time with my dad because he and I like to watch horror movies sometimes. And like this when it first came out, and we're watching it at home when it came out on DVD, watching it, and then. Watched the first half, and I was like, okay, I can kind of get into this. And then after five minutes with Lori, I just got up and walked out of the room and said, I can't do this. I'm done. And it <laughs> so took me, you, did, you didn't took see me the like second eight one. years to get back to it. Yeah, Halloween 2 yeah, is no. a miserable filmmaking experience. I, I just can't. I can't watch it. I, just, I got through it, and I was just like flipping my phone, reading a comic book. I'm like, oh, God, get this over with. Yeah, I, I feel bad for you. I did not even bother. Yeah. Um, what do I say? Oh, because I, you know again, what? It, Go ahead. I mean, yeah, because the only thing that I can even remotely like about it is um, the the slow build to 
uh, Michael Myers becoming, you know, the serial killer. That's the only thing it had going for it that was remotely different. Once it went back to basics, that's when it got really bad. So, like, if the second movie is just all that, then I'm not interested. You know what's weird is his nickname is, uh, it's Michael Myers, sometimes called the Boogeyman, but sometimes called The Shape. In fact, I think he's uh, called The Shape in the first movie, in the credits. And I'm like, well, technically he's a shape, but he's a shape we know. It's not like The Thing where it's constantly changing shapes. It's a dude. It's it's a dude. We're just calling him The Man. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I actually didn't even notice that. I didn't hear anyone. I've heard him referred to as the Boogeyman many times in the yeah. series. But I don't remember the shape. No, I'm pretty sure it's in the credits that he's referred to as the shape. Um, and, they, and they say in this, there was a series of comic books in the uh, 90s. Um, there was a label called Chaos Comics, which is basically like one of those um, exploitation comic book lines. Every woman has gigantic, massive boobs, and there's tons of gore. But uh, they did a Michael Myers line, and I think they only did like eight issues. Uh, randomly, like just a couple every year, and those filled in the gaps between the movies, and that was a pretty good one. But I'm pretty sure that they refer to him as the shape in one of those. Hmm. Interesting. All right, so that is the end of it for us. I, I like I said, I'm not sure. I'll wait till video maybe for the new Halloween, but I'm not excited. Um, I feel like it's just another cash grab. If they fix things, great. But I just, I don't know. It just the cleaning the table off. You know, throwing everything on the floor doesn't mean you put it, you know, it's, it's not cleaned up. You know, it's just, it's still a mess. <laughs> You're just not looking at it now. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm reserving judgment because my intuition is that it's not going to be conventional. I think they're intentionally releasing a trailer that's kind of misleading. Uh-huh. I feel like they might go a different direction where she becomes him or that she's insane and like killed an innocent person or something Whoa, like that. Oh, wow. Um, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see what people say about it. I'm reserving judgment, but I'm not holding out. Okay, so it's here. I'm looking online right now. It goes, why was Michael Myers credited in the screenplay of Halloween? The first two Halloweens. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at it right here. The shape. Um, Where is it at here? Okay, so in the original script, uh, John Carpenter wrote it as the shape, and it just kind of stayed that way. That's it. That's the only reasoning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. The... um. I was going to say here, uh, you know what's funny is the very first director, sorry, the very first person to play Michael Myers is actually the director of Last Starfighter, Nick Castle. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind yeah, of, that's weird. I'm not breaking any new ground here. I think some people knew that. But yeah, he um, he was friends with them, and I think he co-wrote Escape from New York, and he used that um, mm. that notability or whatever, notoriety, to uh, do a couple weeks for Roger Corman, and then he got to do um, Last Starfighter. Cool. I did not know that. Well, I'm old. I'm getting tired. It's been a long day. It's time to wrap <laughs> things up. <laughs> so this is our season finale. Um, we'll be back next year. I'm just going to take a couple months off. Um, if, if you want to continue doing this, I don't know if you record anything. If you want to do episodes, I'm totally cool with that. But I'm just overloaded with retail bullshit. Okay. So it just gets really hard to do episodes yeah. in November, December. Yeah, then I recall. <laughs> I was working Black Friday with you. Yeah. Many years, many a year ago. You're lucky, young man. You chose a future. <laughs> you went on. I'm just a fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Now I, it, you know, wipe the floors of people with. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> why? Why is I'm, it I'm basically? Why haven't they made a horror movie a Black Friday? I feel like this is just should be a thing where everybody just goes insane over products and just starts tearing each other apart, literally. 
Didn't, didn't they do one Black Friday? No, that's I'm thinking of Black Christmas. Um, Black Friday. They kind of did. It, when, um, I don't think it was Black Friday, but whatever. Um, Krampus, I think, kind of had one. Oh, yeah, there was a little bit in the beginning you know, like of the that. Opening you know scene what? Of that slow motion of everyone beating each other up. Yeah, if I find the time, we might be able to do the Black Christmas movie. Um, like as a mini-sode mm-hmm. instead of... Remember when the show started? It was only like 20 minutes long and now we've got to like 40 minutes. We could discuss the 2006 yeah. Black Christmas and that could be like a little 15-minute episode like we used to. Something to satisfy okay. the listeners. I don't know. Yeah, maybe just do like a one-movie a one movie review. Just do a quick yeah, because we've been doing the series a lot. And that, that takes up a lot of time. But um, okay, so that's it. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll see you at Christmas, but it'll probably be in January. Um, Kersey, thank you for another great season. Yeah, I've been, it, this has been probably my favorite one so far. Yeah, this is our longest season, too, because I think we we did the same thing last year. We didn't do November, December. No, we did do December. So I guess we haven't taken a break, really, in quite some time. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Well, when you're hot, you're hot. <laughs> yep. All right. Our, uh, Facebook, under Retro Rocket Entertainment, you'll find all our episodes there. And uh, good night. Have a happy Halloween. All right, have a happy Halloween, everybody. You're not going to tell them to say trashy? <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot. Say trashy, everybody. I don't even know if we're recording anymore. <laughs> we, are, we are. Say we're trashy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, goodbye. <laughs>